Everybody, welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. Uh, I'm hungover, and <laughs> but I'm back. It's me, Steve. Uh, joining me this week, we got the Skeleton Crew. Uh, Myros, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. You, you know how I let you get that whole intro in there without jumping in like some sort of jackass? It's, uh, must I don't be know. I think, I think we're on to something. <laughs> I, I'm gone, and then you have like a complete fiasco of an episode, and and like everyone's giving like they're texting me really positive feedback about it, and it's got really high download numbers, and so that we're gonna skyrocket to fame. <laughs> that's that's the key. That is the key. Well, I guess the key is probably like talk about some stuff that people have heard of, right? So that's that's what we're definitely doing this week, right, Jack? Absolutely. We're we're dealing with everyone's uh, favorite leading man on a budget. So yeah. We'll convert people. I, I feel bad because this this is an episode about Tim Thomerson. All right. And a lot of people are like, who the fuck's Tim Thomerson? Uh, and I, I think, you know, I, he doesn't get enough credit. Years ago, I would have called him a poor man's Tom Atkins. But he's truly a unique figure. But he kind of fills that same niche of like sexy old man that is either like 30 or 70 and you're not sure really at any given time and but everybody definitely wants to fuck him like 100 percent. so you know again like tom atkins in in halloween 3 who i think he was he was in his 40s wasn't he in halloween 3 and then and then the actress who played the the, the female lead was um she was like 22 or something so yeah same same vibe just really sexy grandpa that's what we're going for and we i don't know why we settled on tim thomerson other than like he is the quintessential overlooked character actor i mean go to his, you go to his imdb page you, you can scroll for days on that damn thing it's like he's done multiple movies per year every year since probably the early 1980s um not a ton of stuff you've probably heard of or at least you know not a lot of classic tim thomerson roles in big budget movies but he's he'll surprise you where he pops up i mean he's in he's in your favorite john candy movie who is harry crumb right so you know that's everybody loves that one so tom atkins was in fact 47 years old when halloween 3 came yes. hell yeah how is he even alive like but he looks the same uh, like, <laughs> unfortunately yeah he's he's getting up there now he's 86 years old yeah, he's he's got to be. Yeah, eighty six sounds about Thomerson's right. Thomerson's substantially younger than that, but you wouldn't know it. Yeah, they they always feel of a piece to me. But mm-hmm. well, because I think that the, the other thing with Thomerson too is, I, I don't know, he's got like a like an old eighties professional wrestler quality to him with his hair, where it's like gray, but then he seems to frequently enjoy bleaching it, but it just <laughs> kind of like makes the, the oldness pop out more. He's like 90s Hulk Hogan. Or Flair. I suppose Ric Flair is a good analog Flair, for what the yeah. hell his hair is doing. He just has a sun-baked quality, I feel. Like, just like he never goes mm-hmm. indoors. Yeah, like yeah. old school, like man who grew up in the desert. <laughs> like, that is what Tim Thomerson's early days look was. Because if you consider some of these movies, he was... He was still in his 30s when he did Trancers, which he doesn't look like a man in his 30s when he did Trancers. No, 
He does, but he doesn't look. He doesn't look like a man in anything. Like go back and, and find the earliest photo and a recent photo of Tim Thomerson and tell me the age difference. You'd be like, I, I was the age like five years. Are these taking five <laughs> years apart? No, fifty years. Like it, it's it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I was gonna say, see, I believe the genesis of why we we focused on Tim Thomerson was sort of as an addendum to our uh, Pune content. Like he's a frequent collaborator mm-hmm. of Albert Pune, so uh, that is what. Brought him into the forefront, I think. For this. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's really like, he's a full moon guy, or was a full moon guy back when you could be a full moon guy. But uh, the, the the brothers band, Charles and Richard, they love, love, love Tim Thomerson. But yeah, we kind of came around to this just because uh, we, we had been doing the, the Albert Pune episodes. And uh, I'm perfectly fine just trying to shoehorn in Albert Pune into every single episode humanly possible, like whenever we can. Uh, to keep, you know, pune pilling the masses and spreading the gospel. <laughs> um, but the good thing is, this is like, this is vintage Albert Pune. Like, this is this is one of his his more creative periods, I feel. And this is a solid movie, especially considering Albert Pune's relationship with Full Moon was um, a bit contentious, a little difficult, to say the least. Um, and, and this one, I believe he shot Dollman Jack, maybe you can help me out here. He shot Dollman back to back with another movie, um, which is what the interior sets are actually from. I mean, I could probably look at a timeline. I'm trying to films. remember. I th- this arcade. Oh, arcade, arcade. One. It was yeah, arcade. You're right. Yeah, and now I mean, Dollman did not have much of a budget. Um, arcade may have had a, a little bit larger of a budget, but it was a it was a big financial disaster. Like it did not do well at all. Uh, whereas Dollman maybe was a little bit more successful, but it was a classic Charles Band film. So if you got your you got your Charles Band bingo card out, um, you know obviously Full Moon production. Uh, you don't you do not get to cover the use of Charles Band's personal castle space. That is, there's no castle here, but. It is a film that was created by an idea and a poster. So they had a poster that said Dollman. <laughs> and then Charles Band was just like, we're going to we're going to make this. This is, this is the movie. Yeah. And Albert's like, sure, why not? And it, what it is, is it's kind of like I, Albert Pune. God bless him. He cannot take like a simple concept and just execute <laughs> that. Like he has to completely pull something apart and reassemble it and make it as complex and twisty turning as possible. So all of a sudden, Dollman's not just like, it's like, honey, I shrunk the kids, but it's like, oops, we shrunk a cop and he's going to fuck shit up. No, he's a interplanetary traveling space cop and and he goes into a wormhole and he ends up on Earth and, and then it's just Death Wish 3, but it, with a, a 12-inch tall Tim Thomerson. More or less. I, I'm interested in what the fuck like this the the sessions for crafting this thing were like because you got a movie called Doll Man and you're basing it off a poster. Why the fuck is this rated R and featuring like Tim Thomerson just like exploding people constantly with some sort of uh modified handgun? Yeah, this is easily like one of Pyon's mm-hmm. goriest movies. Like literally the doll man has a gun that just makes people blow up. That's yeah. A major plot point. Yeah. yeah. It also based uh, yeah, major plot point and then also the other thing that it does is 
it rearranges the cells in your body or something like that. So you so even if he just grazes you with it, you just slowly bleed to death internally or something. Uh, that seems uh, to be the case. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very gory. Very gory. And it's it's even better in the in the beginning. When Thomerson's just a cop on his alien Earth-like futuristic planet, basically like the Blade Runner planet. And uh, it, because then when, when he's shooting normal size like Earth humans that are 10 times bigger than him or whatever, um, the, the gun, it, it blows substantial holes in these large men. But here, if he shoots you with this gun, you you just disintegrate completely. So it's, it's very much in the vein of, of Death Wish 3 when Charles Bronson gets his special hand cannon that just puts bowling ball size holes and, uh, you know, thugs and ne'er-do-wells. Uh, <laughs> but it's incredible. And Dollman starts off with the greatest uh, the greatest sequence in film history. <laughs> the great. Yeah, let's let's get. Yeah, T- you could you could take your uh, oh, rosebud. Yeah, shove it. No, this is the most important scene ever committed to film. And again, if you're not familiar with Thomerson, if you're not familiar with like the, the greater full moon universe, this is an absolute high point for Pune. Thomerson, Full Moon, everyone involved. It's just like tears will be streaming down your face. But essentially, it's it almost feels lifted from another movie. But it begins with a gag where a criminal busts into what looks like a sewer, but is actually <laughs> like some sort of underground laundromat or something. Yeah. And then... The cops don't know what to do, and and the criminal, the the, the laundromat, for no really stated reason that I can tell, is full of fat women. And when I say fat, I mean big, real big. Just fat children, too, and they're all fat. That's like. There's like five fat women, yeah, tons of fat children, no fat dudes. And then, and then this guy, he just he just wraps himself in fat ladies, like he just ties a rope like around him. Politically incorrect, but like literally, they just keep talking about how there's just fat people in there with him. Like that's the stated yes. problem is that they're so fat that they don't know what to do. Is this like a, a yeah. 1991 trope I'm unaware of? <laughs> like that laundromats, that's where I fat people go. Understand. I guess. I, it's baffling, and it, but it's, it's. I mean, obviously, it's uh, not exactly PC, but it. I mean, it's really funny because it's just it doesn't. I don't understand what prompted the existence of this scene because it is literally just like oh they're yeah. they're just very fat and he just surrounds himself with fat people and they don't you know the police are like there's fat well, you can't go and he's surrounded by fat people <laughs> and they just keep going around and around in circles until. Dollman himself shows up to to save the day by wandering in there and doing laundry, literally. Well, yeah, and it's it's important because it's to note that not only do they keep talking about the, the the fat stuff, even though it doesn't matter. Like this scene could play out with literally anyone. He walks into a laundromat and he and he has a piece of rope and he and he ties whoever's there around him. It, it's still the same. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference when you have five fat people or just five people. Like it really doesn't make a difference. And then they, they're all oh, the fatty fat fats, fatty for fat fat for fat fat, on and on and on and on. But it's not really played for laughs at all. <laughs> I, I don't have any like idea. Not- like Thomerson is. He's killing it in this scene, but I, I as oh, a fat yeah. person, I, I take no offense to what, all the misdeeds that are occurring here because it's fucking yeah. glorious. It is. It's it's good. I don't yeah. even know. He just they're like, how are you going to solve this situation, Brick? By the way, he's Brick Bardo because a oh, fucking course yeah. he's Brick Bardo. 
This is yeah, the Albert Pune. You got to name a character Brick Bardo. Uh, forget about your other Brick Bardos. <laughs> but yeah, they're just like, how are you going to solve this one brick? And he's like, I'm going to do some laundry. And he just walks in and starts doing a fucking old school load of laundry. And the kidnapper's yep. screaming at him. And he's like, well, you better put your gun down before I blow these fat bitches all over you. These fat kids are going to be smeared all over the walls. And you're just like, what in the hell <laughs> am I watching? <laughs> it just seems yeah. so oddly cruel. And yet, like you say, it, just, it feels like a joke. But is it a joke? It's unclear. I have no idea. No. There's a real lightness to a lot of stuff that Pune does. Like, the only time I, I can really think of one of his movies where it's, like, very, very super, like, dire and serious. There's there's kind of a series, seriousness uh, undercurrent to, to Cyborg, but it's also goofy as shit. So it's balanced there. But, like, Dollman is... Uh, the way Albert Pune's brain is wired... I, I don't understand, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It really is incredible. This is the kind of thing where no one in their right mind could think of this. Albert <laughs> Pune is, is a genius, and this is one of the best scenes ever. Because it, it is. It's like, it just, it works, and it's it's silly, but it's not played for laughs, but it's funny, but it makes Tim Thomerson seem like a badass, even though it's this completely ridiculous scenario. I don't know. It's it's just great. So if you're gonna if you're gonna watch anything here, watch at least the first like twenty minutes of Doll Man. Yeah, you got to keep watching it to the head scene because that's that's just like where oh, the gore yeah, really that's... kicks into high fucking gear. You're like, what? Yeah, the fuck. This seems like it should be a kids movie, <laughs> and people are. It's just like the goriest shit. You know, who who see. hasn't watched a western and wished that like the the high noon showdown involved several people exploding? Holy. Just... <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 pretty incredible stuff. Then it gets a little ropey. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I wish that this wasn't a doll man movie. Like, I, I wish this was Trancers or just, you know, Albert Pune makes a dumb Blade Runner movie or like a futuristic cop movie or something, anything else. Because everything up until when... Thomerson hits Earth and, and becomes the titular doll man. Like, all of it's fucking gold. Like, that, that is the movie I want. It, there's the fat lady scene, and then we move to... Uh, there's a gang of, of guys that are led by a floating head. And the reason that he is a floating head is because Tim Thomerson, Mr. Brick Bardo himself, has over the years just, like, blown off all this guy's limbs, eventually decapitated him. And he's just like, it's amazing what medical science can do these days. <laughs> like, oh, my God. This is wonderful. Wonderful. I just want to cook this shit up on a spoon and inject it into my veins. It's so good. And then they're like, oh, we're going to go to Earth. And now the, you know, the next... 30 minutes of the movie, it's it's going to be Tim Thomerson being grumpy as a tiny baby-sized man while people gawk at him and go, look at the tiny baby yeah, man. Yeah, I would say the, the issue yeah. in Dollman, like, if we were to discuss the film, it's it's episodic, and it's it's, you know, it's worth mentioning at the end of this movie, we get the the, uh, kind of like trademark Albert Pune extended actors montage, which is purely there to stretch the film out over a certain length. Uh, like Dolman feels incredibly episodic and it also still comes in at maybe like 70 minutes total. Um, but yeah, yeah. so, so it's like that first section <laughs> on his home planet. It's great. Then he shows up. There's like a middle section where he's on Earth and it turns out he's small and he injures some gang members. It's like a 
a, a New York suburb or something like a New York inner city place that's being terrorized by this gang and he shows up he interrupts something and saves a woman who's also like a, a social activist there she saves her from gang members who are going to kill her because she's like raising awareness about yeah. gangs being bad so he blows up a few guys and then uh, the last section is basically kind of everything well he chases the head through the hole so he has to face off against the head and also the gang leader and it's just sort of like three acts that don't really follow logically on from each other it's 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 like it switches gears three no. times also he never faces off against the head at fucking all that's, that's true he just <laughs> gets swatted in. yeah the the head thing is bizarre because it seems like uh, there's a point where you know, things are coming to a head and uh, like it, it, you, it seems like you're going to have this clash like the that one of the gang members, the, the lead gang guys gets blasted and the head has the I don't know, the antidote to re- reduce the cellular decay of Brick Bardo's gun. And so he's he fixes him. And then it goes in the direction you think it's going to go in, which is he's like, okay, well, I helped you. Now you got to help me. And I'm in charge now and blah, blah, blah. And this little head is dictating. And the guy just goes, nah. And he just takes the palm of his hand and squishes the fucking head. And then, and then in my head, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I bet that uh, because we, the, the gag before was this, this head can't die. Like people keep putting it back. Someone's going to put the head back together. So, no, it's just gone. Yeah. And it sucks because the head is great. He's awesome. Like it's it's literally it's a drone with a with a fucking face on it. What else do you want in life? It's 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 a great villain. And but Albert Pune is just like, nah, fuck it. Yeah, it, gets I mean, it's it. worth mentioning the gang leader who squashes him is played by a very young Jackie Earl Haley, who uh, you know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. kind of weird to see him show up here as uh and he he kinda is selling the movie. He's probably one of the high points of the movie because he gives a a kind of quality intensiveness to his his character but yeah the, the movie at a certain point just starts feeling like a weird after school special there's like there's there's a whole scene of like a press conference where the police commissioner comes in to talk about you know raising awareness in the community and he's like a hollow stuffed suit politician but it's like none of this seems to matter at all you know <laughs> it's like we don't even mm-hmm. I don't, they don't even mention a neighborhood i don't think that it's like i'm i'm remembering i think it's based in new york i don't even know if it is uh, I th- yeah. think they said Bronx. No, this is very Death Wish Bronx? 3. Okay, so they, yeah, they, they yeah, didn't yeah. clarify a, spa- mm-hmm. a space. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not shot there. <laughs> so it's Also, it's very, no. very fucking late in the film when that is dropped, I believe. Yeah, it's so... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just one of those things that this... Um, it just feels like, yeah, it would maybe have been better if they just stayed on the home planet, but then Doll Man would have just been regular man. So that's a problem. We have a mm-hmm. middle section that's basically like yeah. social, like gangs are bad and what's going to happen. It's kind of like we kind of know what's going to happen. It doesn't really matter. There's like just a sagging of tension. And then in the end, it just turns into a bloodbath, which I suppose works pretty well, frankly. <laughs> Yeah, we got uh, Pune regular uh, Vincent Klein back again just to get fucking shot and scream a lot. He doesn't have to. Yeah, he doesn't get to do mm-hmm. a lot in this movie. He pretty much spends, I think, like a solid two thirds of the movie dying almost. Yeah, about <laughs> as much as he's doing in uh, nights. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, same amount. Same amount. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's. It's just wild to me because it, it, this really is. It's such a 
bizarre quintessentially Albert Pune thing to have this kind of Frankenstein amalgamation of a movie that, you know, it's, it starts off as like renegade cop blade runner. And then it switches into bizarro sci-fi munchkin man, social commentary. And yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's so much of this is death wish three to me. Like, Almost every every single element once he hits Earth, it's just like like you said, like the empty suit, like, well, there's a lot of blocks we got to clean up. And who's to say this is the most important one? And ho, ho, ho. So clearly it's like street justice is the only justice. And then at some point they kind of they, they toy with the idea. They're like, well, is it OK that the little guy is just murdering people <laughs> on the streets? And and then they're kind of like. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> they don't really revisit that at all. It's, it's not great. a key point. He just shows up, like he really does just show up on the planet. He just starts shooting and he never stops. Like he's just every yeah. single never incident, stops. He just opens fire and just kills everyone in a shower of gore. And the fact that like his very existence doesn't seem to cause any issues or serious problems. Like there's no side plot about people like there's there's a little tiny man murdering people. And the, like the, there's a part where the gang comes to this woman's house and the, the woman is the person who discovered the titular doll man. And doll man is is there and the gang finds out. So they go up to her house. They bust in. They got their guns. And then doll man climbs out of his little doll man spaceship and murders the shit out of like a dozen dudes in this tiny, like 300 square foot Bronx apartment, floor to ceiling. Yeah, straight blood. up by her, you paint houses like that's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. And then smash cut to her, like scrubbing the last of the blood off the wall. And Tim Thomerson's just standing there. He's like, you know, coat of paint will fix that. <laughs> But like right before that, it's like the cops had just left. And that's what she was like scrubbing. And you're like, what did she tell the police at this point? Like, These guys came in. They all just shot each other. It was weird. Uh, Nothing to see here. This movie is a grand mystery in many ways because it's a premise that is designed for children would really only appeal to children. And that it's trying to do like, I mean, it's hand waving, I suppose, but it feels like it's earnestly trying to say something about like urban life and, and crime and explore in the most half-assed way, like the causes of that and the effects of it on the neighborhood. And also it's just the dumbest goddamn action movie you've ever seen. So it, it, nowhere along the line does it fit together. It's either a hyper uh, yeah. violent action film uh, social commentary or a movie for small children and it it kind of works because Pune is is like a good director like there are parts of this that look very impressive there's some great montages in this film um again the opening is fantastic some of the gore effects are top notch but it's called doll man shouldn't the entire <laughs> like if if i'm talking about Things that look impressive in a movie called Doll Man, you would think we would be talking about this forced perspective stuff, like really playing with the size and shape of things. But no, that's like not in the fucking movie at all. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I say, like the, the effects that they have a couple of like they, they do a little bit of green screen work or like superimposition to create, you know, where he's in the foreground small and everyone in the background is big. There's a few forced perspective shots where he's like standing next to what's obviously like a giant model of something that's small to make it look small but like they don't have the budget to lean into the special effects element of this there's a couple of matte paintings in the 
in the original world to create their like Blade Runner futuristic kind of like uh, cityscape but yeah they don't really have the special effects mm. and it seems like what money they did had rather than leaning into he's small and everyone else is big they just lean into make a man blow up um it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which <laughs> is an insane choice for a movie called fucking Dumb. Well, yeah i mean at the end of the day does it matter that he's like when he shows up and the only time when the scale actually matters is for ultimately a joke in the finale which is that the the head who has escaped has this incredibly powerful bomb a bomb that can like just destroy the whole world he's come from and you know everyone's very worried about this and he has it and he's threatening to deploy it and Dollman chases him and he eventually he he gifts this bomb to to the the gang leader who ultimately detonates it and they're like oh no he's detonated the ultimate explosive it's going to destroy everything and it's just like it's a big <laughs> explosion but it's a big earth explosion it just blows up one building and that's like the only mm-hmm. the only reference to size particularly with it like the rest of the the film it does it like Dollman could just be charles bronson it wouldn't he'd just be a spaceman in a, in a jacket shooting people it, you know well i guess they mm-hmm. couldn't have worked in like dick jokes about how he's a 13 inch man does the movie yeah. also conclude on a dick joke he's like i hope size doesn't matter as if there's like romantic tension between <laughs> these characters which there is not yeah. we, just, we open this talking about season of the witch so on women just throw themselves at the 13 inch version of Tim <laughs> he's gonna crawl inside of her and and use her clitoris like a, a boxing oh, speed man, bag should have been a scene where her kid like looks at him and goes are you my new dad <laughs> Would have been quality. <laughs> because of all like this, it's just insane. He doesn't like have an ounce of like humanity or pathos throughout the entire movie. He's just this fucking dirty, <laughs> no. hairy dick bag who just walks around He's murdering so everyone. <laughs> yeah. He's a murderous grump. And and also the fact that like they 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 tease a little bit of, of, of the romance stuff at the end, like you said, but there's no chemistry at all oh, no. between him and, and the lead actress. Like she, I mean, no, it's not going to happen. I think it's funny the lead actress has <laughs> gone on to direct several like documentaries about, you know, feminism and interview. Like she's made several <laughs> issue film documentaries. and It's so weird that she showed up in this movie that is kind of like thinks it might be an issue movie, but isn't really. So, so like, I, I, no. I hope this radicalized no. her. She's like, fuck this shit. I got to make my own movies. It's just weird because you normally, I mean, it's not like there aren't a thousand movies where some hard-boiled jackass inexplicably fucking gets some girl he has no romantic chemistry with at the end of the film. But usually there's mm-hmm. like, there there would be like a scene or two of like Dow Man like helping her son in some way or another. But no, none of that is in here at all. There's like no connective tissue. Super funny in a film that then needs to stick an extra montage of the cast onto the end just to make feature length. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, couldn't have been bothered. Couldn't have been bothered. Uh, But hey, you know, it, it has another Albert Pune favorite of mine, which is it looks like Anything that wasn't shot on a soundstage uh, in, in for the apartment interiors was definitely shot probably in like like Yugoslavia or something. So it's got that nice bombed out gravel pit look that I'd say probably about 50 percent of Albert's movies have that. But it's good for the perspective it's, it's stuff. It's shot in the same place as Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can wreck if you've seen Pyun's Nemesis, it's all the same that like the gravel pit thing. I don't know what it is like a ruin. They, it's the exact same buildings. Yeah. 
And but it is it's it's perfect for this because I mean, if you have a close up of Tim Thomerson's doll man next to, uh, you know, a giant boulder or whatever, then it looks like, uh, you know, and then you have a, a regular guy next to a giant. But it's, it's all the same shit. Like there's just rocks everywhere. So it's easy to to not address the fact that he's small and they're big because there's one scene, really only one scene where there's a shot where it's like Tim Thomerson is standing on some dirt and then the woman is directly in front of him, kind of like kneeling down and looking at him. And it's this, I don't know what it is. It's not, it's its some sort of like early green screen overlay business. It looks like utter shit. So he only does it the one time, um, which is its fine. Like he's able to work around it, but it's, but it is, it's, it's just funny because of technical limitations and what the script is. There's no reason for Tim Thomerson to be 12 inches tall, aside from the dick jokes. Uh, 13 That's inches, it. Steve. But, 13 inches. I'm sorry. IMDb I'm sorry. does say 12, but inch. that's wrong because it says directly in the script several times. 13 inch man because the co-worker wants to stick him in her vagina or something. Yeah, she wants she wants to sit on him. Yeah, so explicitly states that. Uh, what a bizarre one this this thing is. I I guess you could be I, I'm going to give Thomerson a pass uh cuz it, it's it's tough for me to say he did not have romantic chemistry with the female lead because he's Tim Thomerson. He's got sexual chemistry with yeah. everyone, right? Well, I think everybody just wants to fuck him, but that's different. You know, that's <laughs> I don't even think they how much of this would they even been shooting together, frankly, because it's, it's all like overlaid and perspective stuff like they probably barely at that's all right. shared the screen even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that they were on <laughs> together very often. I don't know. No, but I'll, I'll duck in and say again, like I much of disparages for this episodic well, where where it works it really it's like it's really fun honestly like this mm -hmm. movie is very easy to watch it does sag a little bit but honestly uh this is you know pretty solid entertainment it it work and it doesn't make sense why a lot of things happen but you're not going to complain too much no. about them either no you know? i mean of all Absolutely of the films not. of uh, charles band where he's obsessed with like tiny things wandering around this is the best one I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, even Stuart Gordon's dolls is—I think that was full moon yes, as well. Is. Took in that one. That that is that is far superior special effects, but otherwise is not anywhere near as fun. It's like honestly, they should have split the the several years between the productions. It's not really realistic to do this, but you know, I think there were several years. I don't remember was was dolls earlier in the eighties. Well, Dollman's all the way in ninety one. Yeah. Dolls is definitely significantly. 90, yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's ninety one to like I think Dolls was made in the eighties. But anyhow, they should have they should have shared the shared the money on the special effects a little bit because Dolls special effects are far too good for a film that's just kind of boring. <laughs> and this one has requires a bunch of special effects and clearly can't afford them. Dolls is eighty seven. Well, it's so a bit earlier. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's I wish you would go back to I mean, I guess they're still making Puppet Master movies. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they've done a demonic toys film, but Charles Band, he seems to be all about the ginger dead man and the evil bong these days. Well, yeah, yeah, the doll, doll man faces off against the demonic toys. I believe that's mm -hmm. yes. a later sequel. I've not seen it. But oh, that's I, a fun yeah, one. You know, uh, you like you like clip clip show movies. Uh, it's it's real great. I sure do. <laughs> the Silent sure Night, do. Deadly Love. Night 2 of of the <laughs> full moon universe. Yeah, I, I'm going to. Go ahead and recommend we you skip Dollman versus Demonic Toys, and uh, but don't skip Dollman if you if you like these sort of like DTV ropey eighties nineties actioners. It's it's fun. That's a fun movie. Yeah, it's good shit. 
Well, uh, a few years before Dollman, uh, we got a we got a younger Tim Thomerson, and by younger I mean you wouldn't know the fucking difference. Uh, <laughs> and he's not hurtling through space. No, no, he's time traveling because in the future. Uh, you know, the big quake hits and everyone in Bakersfield suddenly has beachfront property and Los Angeles is under the ocean and uh, presumably Optimism Vaccine contributor Jake Trapila is floating around a little buoy somewhere. Uh, but there's <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to figure there's these things called trancers in trancers. <laughs> yeah, uh. They're never really good. Yeah, are you it's following? It's a zombie movie. And but no. they're not zombies. No, no, no. They're... I don't know what they are. What the fuck is a trancer? This is what... The movie's called Trancers, and I still don't know what a trancer is. Someone help me. It's like, it's like a cult where the cult members can transform into zombies. And that's, that's like the full point of it. They hide in plain sight as regular people until the cult leader makes them transform into into zombies and that's all you're gonna get like yeah there there's no clear he is mind control but it also transforms their body quite clearly yeah in yeah film. so it's also somewhat unclear as to uh, as to whether these people have like willingly are, are they willingly in the thrall of this whistler fellow or, or have they been subverted it's just kind of all over the place i'm, I'm not entirely sure it seems like you can do weak-willed people. They mentioned that at one point. But yeah, you're right. I mean, technically, maybe weak-willed means that they sign over to his ideology. Yeah. I, does he have an ideology? I know that I the know. cops at a certain point are like, he's the greatest man we've ever mm. met. But then again, you've got like Mall Santa. Is Mall Santa like part of this cult or is he just like been subsumed <laughs> in some way? I, it's unclear. It is unclear. Yeah. I, I think it's I, I think it's like... um. It's like a Dracula's gaze type of thing because he tries to he tries to do it to uh, what's her face Helen, Helen Hunt. Hunt. He tr- yeah, uh, yeah. By the way, Helen Hunt's in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Helen Hunt is in this. Yeah, why not? Uh, and and boy, what a great wardrobe on Helen Hunt. Uh, guys, guys, we're we're canceling Helen Hunt in the year 2021 <laughs> because. In 1987, someone at Wardrobe was like, excuse me, young Helen Hunt, uh, here is your jean jacket. And she said, oh, this is nice. I wish you could jazz it up a bit. And they're like, great. And they sewed a giant Confederate flag on the back. <laughs> it's punk rock, Steve. Why? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is L.A. just swarming with Confederate flags? Is that like a major thing I there? feel like that the person who, gave, who like made the wardrobe choice thought it was a fucking union jacket. <laughs> Cause she's supposed to be a punk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that actually could be it. That it's actually, that's, do, that seems very likely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And the fact that okay, Helen Hunt enough. is supposed to be a punk too in this movie <laughs> is goddamn hilarious. Cause she is just like wholesome as shit. And she, she's got this like beautiful, like feathered wavy blonde hair. She looks great. Wonderful. Yeah, she looks like, he- like Helen Hunt, like, Straight up, like she's twenty two year old or whatever. Yeah, Helen Hunt, and, and she except she's got a streak of blue up. in her hair, so she's a punk, <laughs> which you can <laughs> barely right. see. Yes. I mean, it's not like that's pronounced. She looks like like she she went to a, a Huey Lewis in the News concert <laughs> and was home by eight thirty. That's that's what she looks like. This is not punk rock. <laughs> she's not like say Tim Thomerson's character who is named Jack <laughs> Death. <laughs> 
That's how you know it's and a not, fucking not burying the lead there. Charles Band movie right there. It's like, oh, what can we name our main character? Jack Death. Well, what I like in the what what I like is in the movie though is at one point he points at someone else's name and they're like, your name is Jack Death, and it's like, yeah, why though? I mean, even in the movie they acknowledge the stupid name, but. It's in also, the movie. Yeah. You would think it would be like his like post-apocalypse name or something. They're like, all right, we got to send you back to your uh, relative's body. Philip Death. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Everybody's named Death. It's great. We love it. Yeah. That is the plot of this movie, by the way. Uh, it, Tim Thomerson is, is sent back through time into the body of his ancestor in order to stop Whistler from killing some council of world leaders yeah he's good he's gonna kill their ancestors so they never exist so he can then take over forever so basically this movie is charles band director was just like damn i want to name a character jack death and then also like some idiot was just like dude if you could time travel would you go back in time and kill baby hitler and he's just like, well, there's my plot. This is a ba- it's a baby Hitler problem because uh, old Whistler is. Yeah, he's time traveling to kill the great great grandparents of the world council that is good or something in the post apocalyptic future. Uh, but it's uh, and then why are they good, by the way? I mean, Jack Death seems to hate these people, except at the end, he's like, yeah, they're the greatest leaders who ever lived. <laughs> like, I don't know. Sh- everything's like shit to me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, even more on top of that, so it's complicated enough in terms of we have like a hard-boiled cop, we have a sunken L.A. post-apocalyptic future, and then we have time travel, and we also have Helen Hunt's questionable punk ethos. On top of that, we also have like James Bond gadgets. They sent him back with like a revolver with like a serum hidden in the handle, and then also a time stop watch, mm-hmm. which he uses twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first time we're like, okay, and then he just uses the exact same gadget again, and it's kind of like, why do they say that it was he only got one use from this? Like, you okay. only use it once. That's so what I thought. I think I understand yeah, what this. Happens? I think I understand this because midway through <laughs> the film, uh, when Art Lafleur uh, comes back as a small blonde girl, and uh, chastises Jack Death to return to the future for absolutely no fucking yeah, reason. Bone and hot chicks. Uh, it does nothing but interrupt the flow of the plot, but uh, he goes back to the future briefly uh, so we can have a joke about how he didn't get laid because uh, he was taken out of the body mid-coitus. But I think at that point, they must have given him a second charge on the watch. They, they do. Yeah, you know, they give him the second one. I'm just saying that like they give it to him and they're like, you can only use it once. And it's like that would seem like you know a like a, a script limitation. Like in James Bond, he really usually usually only uses a gadget yes. one time, and you know that's it. And then they're just kind of like, ah, fuck it, we'll just we'll give him another one, we'll let him use it again. Why not? And it's like it does. It's not as good the second time. I'm just well, it turns out Charles Band is a kind of an idiot. Freedom, <laughs> which this is a proper <laughs> Charles Band movie. Charles Band is is sitting in the big chair for this one. Yeah, he yeah, this is this is the real Charles Band. I mean, he didn't write it, I guess, but uh <laughs> he's definitely the director's chair and, and there's some so there's some decisions being made for sure, some questionable decisions. Um I mean, Steve, you say he didn't write it, but maybe he approved the poster, which in the band organization is the same thing. Yeah, that's thing. that's writing. Yeah, that's it's identical. Um I, I you know, it's easy to kind of nitpick and do stupid shit with time travel movies because they just automatically create dumb plot holes. I do love how 
this movie, like it creates a plot hole in the beginning. And then the moment that you go, well, that's fucking stupid. Jack death goes, this is fucking stupid. So (laughs) basically when they're sending him back, they're like, we have, we have the body of Whistler here. And he's just like, why? And they're like, so he could stand trial. And he's like, fuck that. And he just shoots him and like blows him up. Once again, he, he proper blows him the fuck up with a handgun for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is a power of Tim Got the man issue. Yeah. Anytime Thomerson <laughs> grabs a gun, like his raw masculinity and sexual energy is channeled into the bullets. And they just explode. <laughs> But then the other the other issue that it creates, like most of this time travel stuff, you're just like, whatever, who fucking cares? Like, don't don't get caught up in the machinations of dipshit time travel uh, nerd stuff. But there's when when the movie has its climax and Jack Death and Whistler face off, there is a moment where Jack Death has been sent back in time with two serums. okay? because he can't just like shoot this cop guy in the past because no no we don't do things that way uh, unless you're jack death and you kind of do anyways you have to use this serum and the serum will take the person out of their ancestor's body and shoot them back to post-apocalyptic present day back into their their own body and in whistler's case he would just i, I mean he would go back to a pile of goo because uh you know jack death blew him up but there's this moment of hesitation because he's supposed to have two. He's supposed to have one for Whistler and one for himself. And he goes to take them out and he's just like, oh, no, I only have one left. What am I going to do? OK, now, obviously, he's going to poke Whistler and, and stay in, you know, 1980s America. But but who fucking cares? <laughs> right. Did his boss not like 20 minutes prior just show up and like be like, uh, yeah, so uh, stop having sex. Why couldn't they just send more back? It doesn't seem like that big of a fucking issue. Also, what's the difference between uh, giving Whistler the serum and just shooting him in the fucking head? I guess that. Yeah. Oh, I, that they would have killed the honorable uh, lieutenant or whatever, I guess. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, I it's mean, a cop. Te- theoretically, you would have robbed his his. Yeah, it's not the sins of the father. You you'd be <laughs> executing innocent people in in the timeline. Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, I think well, it's funny because it's like, he there's no kills. surprise. He's yeah, he did ice a oh, lot well, of transfers. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't talk about those. The less said about the transfer element, the better. Hell frankly, because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's not really a surprise he stays because like he lives in a futuristic wasteland. Like they've got some stuff, but like. Everything like he gets a burger in our time, and it's like it's real beef. That's incredible. And it's like clearly our time is preferable. He has yeah. a time of plenty. He drives around in a sweet car that he really likes, and he can eat you know real animal meat. Well, that's the other part too. It's shocking that he even cares because the entire time he's there, yes. he's like, "Wow, this is great." And at the end, he's like, "Damn, I can't go back to like living in a hovel where everyone is a mutant idiot." Like, what? Come on. Yes. <laughs> How am I gonna? How am I gonna dive to pick up the Chinese theater sign off the bottom of the ocean? Like, come on, man! What the fuck? Yeah, Jack Death is an event. He doesn't like you know the most like a a grizzled detective in one of these movies gets is like a faithful dog sidekick. He doesn't even have that. There's nothing to keep him 
no. in the future. So, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Why would he even care? Even when he, like, softens a little bit, he's still, like, a hard-nosed fucking asshole. He's the least... Like, I have no idea why, why Helen Hunt wants to bang him, other than he goes to a punk club in, like, a three-piece suit and punches ten guys in the face. <laughs> maybe that's attractive. I don't know. Or maybe it's when he's leaving the house. She's sleeping with his... Uh his forebear beforehand i guess and he seems like a piece of shit like yuppie asshole or something and uh yeah so suddenly he transforms into like hard-boiled cop jackass and she falls madly in love with him i don't know i wonder if jack death has feelings about helen hunt banging his great grandpa and him well, no, he is his great. He's his own grandpa, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's it's one of those situations. <laughs> we, we talk about not killing, not killing forebears. I mean, he pretty much erases his own family line by just taking, like, stealing his great great granddad's body. Yeah, which could be an ethical concern well, as well. I, think I guess. I, but I think what we're fun. meant to believe is that this is a Terminator scenario. Well, you know, he he is the Kyle Reese here. Uh, he was always he was always oh, okay. meant to so just, impregnate Helen Hunt and stay in the past and and create this line, which I, I don't think it really works on the same level as like a closed time loop as as something like Terminator, because obviously all of the uh, council people uh, who were wiped out by Whistler at some point existed. So it's not nearly so tight, but it is an interesting comparison because that was immediately what I thought of with this movie was like, oh, this is a Terminator knockoff. But it's not a Terminator knockoff because it's it, it's concurrent with Terminator. So it's just parallel thinking. Yeah, it's. Like, uh, do do we have the do we have the release dates? Because I wouldn't be surprised if Terminator like hit on like you know July first and opened that Charles Band couldn't have transfers out by like July thirty first. <laughs> Charles Band saw the the Terminator poster and he was just like, I can do this. This is. <laughs> but what if no robots? We don't have the money for robots. No, no, no money for robots. No, uh, Trancers predates Terminator by uh, five months. Oh, wait, that's not accurate. Oh, look at that. I'm lying. Uh, It's listed as 1984, (laughs) but then the release date is 1985. So Mm, uh, it's specious. mm. It's actually, I was thinking it was May to October, but it's actually October to May. So it actually released in theaters in the United States seven months after Terminator. So maybe it is a Terminator ripoff. But why is it labeled 1984? Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Like I said, that's probably when they copyrighted the (laughs) title and the poster and then shot like three scenes and then just stuck it on a shelf until something else came up. I mean, the Full Moon production line is an absolute shit It's Empire, thank you very (laughs) much, Jeff. (laughs) Sorry, Empire, that's right. Sorry, we're before Full Moon at this point. We're, We're in the Empire... House of the Days. Worse than canon. (laughs) But again, cutting it, we can make fun of this movie. I I must say this movie doesn't work as well for me as Dollman. Dollman is like very segmented, episodic, but I think it like maintains somewhat a higher degree of interest for me. This one I had, I struggled with on this one because it really feels like the, the back half is kind of re- like the middle section and the back half of, or like the final section of the film. There's just an enormous amount of overlap in terms of what's happening. It, it just kind of feels like this movie should probably be 40 minutes long or like 50 minutes long. It's just sort of like they repeat the watch gag and there's like an extended chase and it's kind of like, it just, uh, there's no new idea to, boost the finale like you i mean steve as you mentioned when it comes down to like the 
the problem of like, hey, you know, you can't get back to the future. It's like it doesn't matter. They already clarified they can pretty much go back whenever. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, this one, not not a bad movie to me, but um, definitely even on its meager trappings, I found myself my, my attention waning a little bit by by the last 20 minutes well, I or think so. it's a bad sure, ethos sure. that really ruins a lot of these things. It's the same thing here as it was with Dalman, where there's just no we can't breathe we we can't have downtime in these fucking movies and there's no good reason for that because this movie works a lot better when it's just like fucking gruff ass tim thomerson and helen hunt like hanging out i i they do have chemistry i like to see it developed in the mm-hmm. film as opposed to just like yeah recycling that slow-mo thing that they couldn't pull off at the fucking first place and uh <laughs> it's uh, also much like Dalman. I think it has a great intro. Like I was on board for this thing from the jump because it's like, oh wow, this oh, yeah. is he is that diner scene, and then the whole setting of the ruined L.A. is actually surprisingly well executed for a Charles Band movie. It, yeah, it seems like a, a common problem with these movies is that they front load with the good stuff, like the world building and kind of a, it is honestly actually kind of a problem that we'll hit with the next mm-hmm. film we discuss as well. I think all the movies have like the first half is like, or the first opening sequence is pretty interesting. It's kind of an alternate world. There's a lot more effects to be used in terms of like, you know, city, you know, skylines and so on and technology being displayed because it, it's a genuinely otherworldly place. But then this, the narrative for budget reasons, they could only afford to do that at the start to make it look interesting and give a hook. And then they have to return to Earth to just kind of like, because that's actually the cheapest place to shoot. And you're always like going like, man, I, you know, why would you show me <laughs> the future place? Like the, the fat laundromat ladies. Why are we why are we leaving there? That was great. Yeah, this movie has the added benefit, though, that. It has no reason why it couldn't be equally cheap and just like extend out some of these scenes between Thomerson and Hunt, like just fucking hanging out above a punk club and shit. I'm on board for that. Give me 10 more minutes of that. Give me one or maybe even two less scenes of of fucking uh, slow-mo watch because it just sucks ass. It's fucking terrible. (laughs) It is the irony that these movies seem to be simultaneously, like, hurried and also not, you know, like, hurried and also padded and then not padded with the scenes that would actually work best for it. Like, there's just, they oh, they seem to miss out on a lot of those things. Cause, and I guess, you know, probably because this, you know, Thomerson and Hunt hanging out and just kind of getting to know each other requires a scriptwriter yeah. to do something. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, we go to a new location and someone attacks Thomerson and he shoots him, it's, you know, they can knock that one out easy. And technically it's action, it's preferable, but it's kind of gets a little bit a little bit boring. But, uh, you know, I'm coming down a little hard on this one, but Transfers is honestly, like you say, for, for a Charlotte's Band production, this is a uh, pretty... Pretty solid. It's it's you wouldn't hate it. I don't think I can't imagine it would watch this and be like, oh my god, that's noticeably terrible. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably as far as directing and Charles Band has directed a staggering sixty eight films, but I I think this is probably his <laughs> best movie, honestly. And yeah. it is what Thomerson is has been enduringly popular for for whatever reason. Jack Death is a character that persisted all the way into Evil Bong in two thousand and six. 
Yeah, <laughs> there's like well, there's like lifespan, six Trancers I mean. movies. I yeah. mean, there's they all have great uh, subtitles too. Like uh, was it Trancers Three, Death Lives, or uh, Trancers Five, Sudden Death. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> 2002's direct-to-video Trancer 6 uh, did not feature Tim Thomerson, but it, it does have a, uh, a woman in the lead, um, Zizette, Z- I don't even know how to say her name, uh, Sullivan, is that her? I don't know. Uh, someone, there's, there's a woman, and uh, the tagline is, same attitude, different sex. Uh, you will note that although Tim Thomerson does not appear in the film that his face appears on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I guess so Jack, because Jack death, he travels through time, but he awakens in the body of his daughter. So that's, that's how you get around the Thomerson thing. So, uh, damn, it's a shame we didn't do a multi-part transfers only podcast. I'm sure if you, you want to talk about things that people are just begging us for, um, <laughs> we can do, we can do a transfer six freaky Friday or a, whatever 13 going on 30 or one of those we there's one of them with a body swap gender body swap um, but that's the zach efron one is it well there's Did that there's, one i don't remember what about juana man there's an amanda Bynes one yeah we could do that that would be shit and stupid what about that's the rob totally schneider one do. doesn't he do oh <laughs> even worse yeah i did See, kind of yeah I, that was another approach i consider when pitching a tomer cast was just to run through the uh trancers series but I figured this would be more fun because these are three flawed movies we're looking at, but at least they're not like Trancers 5 or whatever, which I'm sure is yeah. real great. <laughs> Sudden death. It's fun. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, Trancers, it's good shit. Again, like if, if you don't, if you haven't experienced Tim Thomerson, I think the three movies we're talking about today, that's that's the best way to kind of dip your toes in with him and uh, experience everything that he can do. Um, which apparently is mostly just hard-boiled cop until... A lot of trench coat action. (laughs) A lot of trench coat action until you get to Cherry 2000 from 1987, uh, where he does a a complete 180 in terms of his character, and I did not know Thomerson had range like this, uh, nor did I think that in a movie where he's nowhere near top billing... He completely blows all the other performances out of the out of the water. Like Melanie Griffith is in here. Who fucking cares? Like she's fine. Uh, the guy who plays the male lead. Uh, oh, what's his face? David um, Andrews. David Andrews. It doesn't matter. The worst. Like you could not have possibly. Like I get they wanted because his his character is like oh he's this corporate square and his sex robot breaks so he has to you know do Tarkovsky's stalker to get his his fuckable robot. Uh, he's horrible. He's just he's just so wooden. And then the fact that like we're we're supposed to believe that he has chemistry with Melanie Griffith and and that he somehow knows how to like shoot a gun and be a cool action hero. He can't sell this at all. He's fucking terrible. No, it, his character makes no sense. Cause like you say, he, he's clearly was cast to be the like corporate bureaucrat square. But then it turns out his character is like an army vet guy, like who flies planes and shoots guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and none, but at the end of the day, he's one of those guys, but he also like just copped out of life and just got a, like a fuck doll that he just kind of has a romantic relationship with. And then a woman, he meets a, a real woman and decides that's better. And she's like, oh, this is a guy for me. Like, I'm a tough talking woman who 
does my own thing and goes into the wastelands and shoots people and takes care of myself. And I'm absolutely down for this incredibly boring guy who likes to pork a robot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, yeah, there's just a lot wrong with... There's a lot wrong with this movie... Um, it's it's not really bad, but also I think it's worth mentioning out the gate. This is like this movie had like a budget of like ten million dollars mm-hmm. apparently. So we're talking like, this is a whole other league of filmmaking for them to have mistakes like this. They just they, they see much bigger problems here because clearly this is a film that people should have been around to address some of these issues because they're pretty glaring. Yeah, uh, the, the, you know your lead actor being miscast. You know I don't even know if the the actor does. Uh, you know. Is he doing a bad job or is he just not the guy who should have been? The exactly. Guy, you know? It's just like he just can't pull off what they're asking him to. I don't think it's not like you're watching him scene to scene going, God, he's a terrible actor. But he just it never clicks like nothing ever no. clicks with him. It's just kind of like he's fucking boring. It, it just it's just like, give me an Emilio Estevez type. And they bring this guy in and he just he doesn't have the it. And this sort of movie needs chemistry it needs to be entirely built on the chemistry of these two leads and there is none Mm -hmm. and i don't really blame melanie griffiths for that but uh no i think she does pretty well honestly Uh, she she's not a fan of the movie and apparently she like just like she was breastfeeding her newborn child on set (laughs) while doing this movie you know which is a great god imagine imagine putting in the hours on cherry 2000 but um, yeah, I, I think Melanie Griffiths does pretty well. Um, she's just kind of undercut by this movie where she's she's the kick-ass person. And then suddenly also the, the stupid bureaucrat guy is also a kick-ass person. And it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why did he hire her if he's also just able to get guns and shit and blow stuff up? Like, it, it's just a, a weird setup. Um, Especially because she's, like, her character is... Um, it, it's not like a, it's not Jack Death or the Doll Man or <laughs> Prick Bardo. <laughs> it, it, she's not a flashy action hero. Like she's very just kind of chill and downbeat with everything, which is fine. But then when you pair her with you know bowl of oatmeal in man form, it just doesn't it doesn't work that well. And 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 the chemistry that develops, I mean, it's not really chemistry at all. Um, right. But yeah, I, I guess I guess getting to the the essence of what this movie is. And I, I know like out the gate we're like, yeah, fuck it, but. I like this movie. I think of the three, this one's actually my favorite. Um, And it's my favorite because of Tim Thomerson. But it it really is like it, it, it creates this kind of interesting world, just like the other two movies where it starts off with this really great world building. And then it kind of veers off into a slightly different direction. But, um, I guess in the future, I'm not sure if there's like a general lady shortage or what, but uh, apparently most people are just like, give me a, a robot fuck doll and I will take my robot fuck doll. And then to to like actually get a like you know, figure called real woman, um, you have to go to these bars, right? Well, I mean, this sounds like, yeah, so you go to a bar and you talk to a woman if she likes you, then yeah, it's like that. But you go in and they have like lawyer like negotiations so you have to like negotiate to get a woman who will pay attention. So it's more of like a business transaction. And the whole reason why uh, Mr. Oatmeal Bowl loves his fuck doll is because he feels like she's real and she really cares about him, even though she's a fucking robot. Uh, so when they're uh, porking in a pile of bubbles and she short circuits and dies or whatever uh, then he has to go to the wasteland in a, a stalker-esque adventure to find 
uh, a new model fuck doll because he can't have any model of fuck doll. He's got to have the Cherry 2000, the ultimate fuck doll. Yeah, it, it's very strange considering he seems to have this personality disc and it's just like, what does it fucking matter at, at a certain point? Like, uh, yeah, couldn't I, you get a Cherry 1999 and it'd be just as well? Well, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of things in the opening of this because we have, first off, is there a shortage of women and why? I don't recall there being any clarification. No, they don't really clarify. I and don't then, think so. I, I just think that relations yeah. have devolved in a, in a very, like, 1980s uh, way uh, that we could see things going in the future in the 80s. But that's – it's just like everything's a legal negotiation and, and interpersonal relationships are transactional and there you go which uh, yeah i mean i guess that i guess that feeds into the next thing which is they also bring up that there's like a massive you know parts shortage that they're recycling is the the main industry now because they basically have to harvest previously built goods for for materials um and so i guess it makes sense maybe no one wants to have kids anymore because there's barely enough to go around for the people which means that i don't know why anything else happens it just feels like there there those two elements of like the the gender politics and this kind of, you know, massive focus on harvesting previously built, you know, consumer goods and, and repurposing them. You know, it feels like there's enough film in there to extrapolate something, but instead that's just sort of like the first 20 minutes. And then it's kind of like, look, you just got to go out into the wastelands to find there's like, for some reason in the wastelands, there's just a building full of sex robots that have never been used <laughs> and you can grab one, but it's very dangerous to go there. So he has to hire a tracker and a chair or not cherry at uh, Melanie Griffith's character at uh, Johnson is her name. E Johnson, mm-hmm. I think uh, she's a tracker. And so he hires her and they, they venture off into the wastelands, which are ruled by Lester, which <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really good name for your chief villain, who also happens to be Tim Thomas. <laughs> and, and this is great too. And, and honestly, like this, the the miscast of the male lead and and the few other little missteps here, I, I think really hold back this movie from greatness because Thomerson's villain is fucking amazing. Um, I mean, it, it plays with these these very 1980s, like Myra says, like like gender ideas and uh, about like relationships being transactional and this, that and the other thing. But when you get to Thomerson, Thomerson is this this psychopath uh, who plays judge, jury and executioner out in the wastelands. But he's like a 1960s, like not not a beatnik, but like a like a fucking dad, like. You know, a house with a white picket fence and 2.5 children and a dog. Um, and he's just like, yeah, you know, I just I don't want to be angry. He's like he's like, uh, you know, your, your your neighbor that you don't want to talk to, but they always talk to you anyways, uh, <laughs> except he's probably got like, I don't know, women chained in his basement or, you know, a couple dead bodies lying around. But Thomerson has is like this 1950s, 1960s ideal man but baked into like Lord Humongous from <laughs> Road <laughs> Warriors. So, and Thomerson plays it amazingly. Like he, he does it with just enough nuance and there's so much just, I don't know, personality and humor baked into the character. And then when he flies off the handle and kills someone, it, it, it just feels like a natural extension of this really nice dad barbecuing in a Hawaiian shirt it's genuinely shocking. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this movie is like PG-13 in like the late 80s, so it was a little bit more off the hook, but like 
pretty much the intro to him being like you you first encounter him it's like okay he just he just seems like kind of a crazy guy he's a little bit odd and then he just has his lackeys chain a guy up put a paper bag on his head and then just executes him with a bow and arrow to the head it's like what the hell it's it's pretty like an effectively shocking set piece to kind of go like okay we're not in a place that functions normally anymore Mm -hmm. and thomerson is not just slightly odd he's just a full-blown psychopath Mm -hmm. um yeah he's this movie because we talk about there's no chemistry really between our lead guy and Melanie Griffith's character and so much of the movie is them hanging out yeah. so when Thomerson shows up it is like a shot in the arm it's like the movie suddenly just starts going again and it's really fantastic and I mean, you say Thomerson is way down in the credits of this movie you know he's he's fourth fifth sixth credited but is the chief villain and like honestly the movie is his yeah without him this would be intolerable mm-hmm. i think we probably saw this like steve and i saw this in like a decade back i would say and it was something i fondly remembered like oh that's a that's a really good cult movie like i had so much fun with it but what you're remembering is tim thomerson and coming back to it I was hoping, I was like, oh, Jack's never seen this. This will be fun. And it is not a bad movie, like like we're saying, but it is no. It is a very flawed movie. And it, it was a movie that I was really disappointed to come back to and, and frustrated with a lot of the time because there's so many elements in this thing that just don't quite come together. There's something slightly off. And a lot of it is is the lead, but uh, there's other stuff too, like the the action in this film. There are like some... There's a big set piece like on the cover. It's featured with this car hanging from this uh, magnet. And I don't even know. They filmed this like out in the desert and they like fucking it. Either it's an amazing effect or they fucking like blew up like a goddamn piece of like the Grand Canyon or something in a way that they <laughs> sure shit shouldn't be yeah, doing. Yeah, it's incredible. Like they blew up like a fucking mesa or whatever. Like those. Yeah, that doesn't seem kosher, but uh, they did. <laughs> and it's somehow... It's so flat, like all of that, that huge action sequence where all Mm -hmm. this crazy shit is happening. It's not exciting. There's something slightly off about it. Yeah, I know it it, it is. It's weird that, like you said, there's so many huge set pieces that just feel kind of like muted and they're lacking in in excitement. Um, But where it sizzles is just, I don't know, like all all the all the Thomerson shit and then his lady sidekick uh, Ginger is fucking hilarious too because she's totally like bought into uh tim thomerson's character's uh just philosophy of life but there's this part yeah, she's like the weird steps and stepford wife but she's it's funny because it, like the assumption i was working under for for part of the film is that oh she must be a robot yeah. but mm-hmm. she is no <laughs> no and that's the best part she, but yeah there's like this part where he's just like all right we gotta go chase these guys down like it's it's literally like a mad max like car chase thing she's like okay i'll go make some sandwiches <laughs> Like, it's just <laughs> it's great it's it's hilarious um it's basically the end of the movie too where she, it, it, tim thomerson is like fucking killed in gruesome fashion smashing into some statue after being shot like 20 <laughs> times and, and she's just like well let's have a sandwich <laughs> it's like the fucking end <laughs> of the one more sandwich left over now because because he's dead yeah it's it's got some really good stuff in it i, the, I guess this answer because i hadn't seen this movie before this um the director, Steve Jarnett, was um, 
He's made like really only one other major feature film, which is Miracle Mile, which is a great movie, and really solid cult movie as well. Um, and I always wondered like why you know he didn't. He's only made two movies, and it turns out I guess because this did not do well. This this really bombed, and I guess that 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 explains it, which is a shame because it, it just feels like these movies have really great ideas and execution. Like I, I genuinely think, like I mentioned, this movie just change the lead actor and you really have something here. If you had someone that like really bounce up off Thomerson, Melanie Griffith kind of works well because she kind of undersells it. She's kind of like, she looks fed up and I think she really was fed up. So maybe it wasn't acting at all, but it kind of like, you know, it works pretty well for her character. There's no reason why she would be interested in this guy. Like the whole concept of like a true human love, uh, you know, kind of, conquering over you know uh, the convenience of a, of a sex robot it doesn't really make any sense she wouldn't fall for this guy it, you know he would have gone back with this robot um but if they just had someone else in that lead role this could have been really i think a really fantastic film maybe it still wouldn't i think there was some distribution issues that screwed with the with the the box office on it you would think like you would think they could have marketed this into like a modest success compared to sure, what it yeah, did yeah. i mean even if it if it was somewhat of a tonal failure all you gotta do is be like hey we got melody griffith and it's mad max the end and people would go see that right <laughs> yeah you have melody griffith running up to like uh nine to five but I, th I think what happened with this i don't know what happened on the american side but i think it only played in europe and then it came back to america on vhs and i think that was like so i guess something happened on the back end that just like killed the box office and unfortunately maybe killed dejarnet's career too i think he still made miracle mile after this which so, also uh, maybe that one didn't... was a failure i mean yeah it was also which is a shame because that one really that movie works pretty well overall and it's got some really great ideas in it um so it's kind of like uh, i don't know you try to like gritty back to the future like a little, little more hard edge but not hard edge it's not like mean spirit or whatever it's like a grand romance set to the apocalypse it's uh mm. You know, fantastic. It's like a Richard Kelly movie. Well, <laughs> but, um, I, I wonder about like studio meddling in the middle of this film too, because it's just, it's just hard to put your finger on exactly what fails other than the central relationship. But so much of the world building and the set design and the way I love the way this movie looks like, I think it's great. It, it's a great time capsule, this sort of 80s filmmaking. All the miniatures, like that fallen, like Las Vegas at the end. It's fucking fantastic. There's so much in this movie that I really, really love, but it's there's something missing. It, it's just kind of strange. You wonder if if there were some odd cuts or mandates that made this kind of shift in a direction that it was not prepared to. Because when it just kind of settles down into like these bizarre sets in this strange world, like, you know, Thomerson's like fucking motel hideout and, and the weird old West town at the beginning. And it, it, just so much of it, it clicks. And then when we get out of the desert, the thing flounders. Yeah. Nothing feels like it's missing, which is, you know, kind of unusual. You talk about like meddling. It's there, you know, I think everything is there. Like you say, there's just some, there's just some lack of a spark. It's just, it infuses so much of it that Thomerson is the spark. His mm -hmm. scenes work. Everything else is just a little bit under-cranked. 
and just kind of a little bit sort of exasperating and it's strange like you know you have your big action sequences they clearly had money to to put into it you have your big explosions your stunts you know spectacle special effects and it's all just a little bit kind of like mm, blah just sort of like you kind you know i'm checking my watch a little bit and this movie is you know it's only like an hour and 40 minutes long it's a perfectly regular length movie but it just it just feels like it's running just like a little bit slower than it should yeah yeah no. they needed someone in to like uh edit the action scenes differently and, and score it a little differently like it's mm-hmm. just it's just a slightly off from being a really hard recommend is like one of the better cult movies of the 80s. It, it, all the elements are right there, but it just, yeah. it's just not quite right. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Uh, but, yeah, shit. All these are worth checking out. Seriously. Yeah, for sure. Uh, get, get, yes. get yourself a big dose of Thomerson. <laughs> we hit on just a mother load of, like, good movies that could be just a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the USA up all night fucking light up we got going on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Well, we should probably wrap things up. So, uh, Myros, what are you putting over this week? Oh, Jesus Christ. I completely forgot about this. Um, mm. Wow. It's like we don't do it every week or do we or explain that to me. Uh, you know, I've had a, a, an eventful week. Uh, I the, the events did not involve watching much of anything, though. Um, have I been reading something? No, haven't done that either. Mm-hmm. I've officially done nothing except watch Tim Thomerson and uh, deal with college shit. Uh, I, I I can't even think of a single thing to put over. Nothing's good. Nothing's good. I Jack, failed. why don't you I why failed. don't you put over two things to make up for Myros? <laughs> Jesus, I'm running th- running running low on stuff too. I will. Um... Like good stuff I've watched recently. I haven't watched any good stuff. Like last night I watched The Fear, which fucking sucked, honestly. So don't watch that. That's get that wood mannequin movie. walking around. <laughs> Jesus Christ, not enough of it and yet too much somehow. Um, which, you know, I think feel like is really the, the nadir of horror movie problems. Uh, a good horror movie I watched recently uh, is the Russian film V from 1967. Oh, yeah. That's V I Y. I think that's how you pronounce yep. it. Um, which is like an old folktale like Gogol, so it's like, you know, real literature. Um, but it, really cool looking movie, a lot of really cool practical effects, like really nice practical effects. Uh, simple, but you know, really interesting looking movie, beautiful looking, very simple plot, just but all atmosphere. Um, really just a very elegant film. Cause I think it's like 70 minutes long, if even. It's like just short, sweet great movie mm-hmm. so uh, v you could check out they came out from like severin in the u.s which is it's a it's practically uh, a kids movie by the stuff they normally put out um so well done to them for that uh yeah i, I don't know second movie. oh you know here's the second movie i put over foes from garage house pictures um everyone's favorite label that you have to like email to order movies from just tell them what they want and they send you a receipt because it's a real top-notch operation up, you know, uh, but they, they rescue really weird stuff. And Foes is a movie that I think played once on TV. And I don't know if it ever played anywhere else again. And even the TV version was like meddled with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's from 1977. It's a uh, alien invasion movie or an alien contact movie. And it's a real slow burn 
it's a little too slow burn, but still, I wouldn't hold it against it. It does some really incredible stuff with meager uh, resources. The director is a special effects guy, primarily, so even though he didn't have a lot of money, the special effects punch several categories higher than they should. Real slow burn, kind of like just uh, people on an island somewhere, meet aliens, uh, have a terrible time. Um, you don't really know what's going to happen next, so check that one out if you can. It's it's pretty good, but watch the director's cut, which is like 71 minutes long. Don't watch the, the, the TV version that they pad it out to 90 minutes by having some soldiers walk around or something. Don't bother with that. Save yourself yeah. 20 minutes and watch what the director intended. There you so, go. Yeah, there you go. There's two things. There's two. Pick it up the slack. Myro's dropping the ball. You know, typical. <laughs> typical shit. Uh, I'm actually going to put over some music again. So, hey, do you like uh, weird 70s kraut rock sort of proggy stuff? Sure. Sure you do. Maybe you do, you big fucking nerd. Uh, there's a band. That band's called Mythos. And they got an album called Strange Guys. And it's really good. It sounds like a bunch of dorks dressed as, like, wizards and shit, but it's fucking awesome. Uh, so if you have any interest in, yeah, crowd rock, prog rock, uh, weird 1970s guys with ass long hair and, like, I don't know, probably, like, crystal pendants or something, uh, it's good shit. Mythos. Strange Guys. Listen to it. There you go. Real easy. All right. So... That being said, um, yeah, if you look in the description of this very podcast, you can do us a big old favor and you can click a link that will take you to our iTunes page. Uh, on that page, you can give us a five star written review. And why does that help? Well, I'm glad you asked. And the answer is because algorithms are stupid and the more five star written reviews that we have, uh, the more discoverable we are. And so you can help contribute to our discoverability and then more people will find us and then we'll do more things for you. It's really, it's, it's a great thing to do. If you don't listen on iTunes, I mean, I'm not going to give you a link, but whatever you use, I don't, I don't think you can rate shit on Spotify, but uh, whatever you're listening on, if you can rate and review a podcast, please rate and review ours. It would help us immensely. Uh, so take care of that. Uh, also, if you feel like giving us some money, Boy, that would be helpful. Podcasts are expensive. There's also a link to our Patreon. There has never been a better time to be an Optimism Vaccine patron. And why is that? And the reason is, is at the end of the month, I'm going to mail our patrons uh, a movie from my personal collection. How about that? Huh? Could be a DVD, could be a Blu-ray, could be a box set. You know what you're going to get. I got, I'm, I'm looking at a, a Leprechaun in the Hood on VHS right now. You think you might get Leprechaun in the Hood? Probably not, though. Uh, but yeah, who, who knows what you're going to get? It's a mystery. No, you can't, you can't request stuff. I, I choose. I'm choosing. So all you got to do is be a patron at any level. Uh, you know, couple, throw us a couple bucks, three bucks a month. That'll also get you access to an entire backfeed of old Optimism Vaccine content that you can't get anywhere else. There's written content. Uh, Myros and Sean are working on a special Blumhouse series that's patron-only uh, which has been, we, we hit the pause button on that one because Sean's mic is all fucked up, but uh, we're going to get there. We're going to fix things. Uh, we, we, got a, we got one in the can. I, we just, oh, I, we got I one in the can. All right. We, uh, we're doing, uh, we rejiggered it a little bit and we're going to try and coincide them with the uh, holidays with which they were originally associated. Oh. So we have the April Fool's in the can, so it's coming back. Real Love quick. it. It's coming. So this month you're going to get a movie, and then next month you're going to get a special podcast. Oh, look at the value, Myros. Pure value. Unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, throw us a couple bucks. It, it seriously would help out. This, this shit's expensive. we got to get Sean a new mic. His, his broke ass, he can't get a mic. It's you, you the patron. That's how we're going to do it. 
Uh, other than that, I think that you I mean you can you can tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine. You can email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Uh, death threats, marriage proposals, uh, questions, comments, favorite Tim Thomerson movies, whatever you got, send it our way. You got an idea for a show? Send it our way. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps things up, though. So we don't have Jake here to give us the last words. So, Myros, you you totally dropped the ball on putting something over this week. So the last word has to be yours. Oh, my God, man. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is good. I just I just want you to play a sound clip of, of Tim Thomerson uh, saying, dry hairs for squids instead. We'll just <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to think what is a good quote that he says. That is a good one. I, I do like to dry. I hair. totally forgot that element of the script because I wasn't sure if the hair did actually prevent mind control. Yeah, cool hair prevents mind control. Never forget that. No, I, squids are not trances, Jack. That that's the last word on the subject. <laughs> the squids are the weak-willed people that get turned into trances. No, I think squids are just nerdlingers. Yeah, but he says it's where he talks about. It. God damn, we should we should have put this on the show. This <laughs> well, is we're still content. Doesn't 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 he say that the weak that squids are basically weak-willed people, and weak-willed people are the people vulnerable to Whistler's mind control? Yeah. And then in a later film, he says that when you put the personality disc in the Cherry 2000, it's like fucking a squid. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's... Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It's like oh, fucking a weak-willed person. A lot of squid talk. <laughs> yeah, a lot of squids. 